You're listening to the Gateway Franklin Church Podcast. To learn more about Gateway Franklin Church, including our service times here in Franklin, Tennessee, visit us online at gatewayfranklin.com. And now, here is this week's message. Good morning, family. Uh, I just want to start this morning by uh, thanking the Lord and Pastor Charlie for the opportunity to uh, stand up here and uh, bring a word in front of y'all this morning. Also, um, just to preface, my allergies have kind of gotten the best of me over the past couple days, so just bear with me. Um, When Pastor Charlie originally approached me and asked me to share a word this morning, he kind of gave me his vision as to where his portion of the message was going to go and gave me a number of different ideas in which I could take mine. Um, And as I prayed and asked God what word he wanted me to share, I began reflecting on what today is and all that it represents for our graduates and for everyone else. Graduation is, it's that, it's the mountaintop, it's the top of the mountain for your childhood and adolescence, and I'm sure there are many of you who can remember a time or several times where you said, man, I can't wait to graduate. And as a kindergartner, me personally, I remember walking the halls of Oakview Elementary, a place that Gateway called home for a number of years and thinking, wow, I can't wait to be a fifth grader. They look cool. And then fifth grade came and went and you get into middle school as a sixth grader. You start to wonder how things will have changed come eighth grade year. And then eighth grade comes and goes and you get to high school as a little baby freshman and you see those seniors walk in the halls and you're like, that's gonna be me one day. And as it always does, time flies by, you blink and before you know it, you're a senior preparing to graduate. And throughout this progression, whether we tend to realize it or not, we experience several periods of growth and this refers to physical growth, mental growth, but more importantly, we experience spiritual growth. And so this morning, I wanted to focus on that spiritual growth, but more specifically, the context of how Gateway and its vision, which is fresh starts, great friends, real purpose, have made a significant impact on my life as I've grown up and strengthening my relationship with the Lord. I'll start with that first part of the vision that being fresh starts. And so when talking about the manner in which the Lord has brought about fresh starts in my life, I couldn't think of a more appropriate instance than to when I first gave my life to Christ. And I find it so incredibly fitting that we get to sit here and witness our brothers and sisters in Christ pursue the same path and give their life to God. Would you just give that some praise this morning? So before I jump into that, though, I wanted to share a verse out of Isaiah that I believe kind of encompasses the whole idea of fresh starts. And it's Isaiah 43, chapters, or chapter 43, verses 18 through 19 out of the English Standard Version, which reads, remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. And I chose to read out of the English Standard Version really because of how that verse ends. God says that he will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. 
I don't know, for me, that just provided such a refreshing mental picture. You couldn't ask for a fresher start than Isaiah 43, verses 18 through 19. Because in layman's terms, what God's saying is, those things that you didn't understand before, the paths that you thought weren't for you that were closed off, when you learn to lean on me and rely on me, you're gonna start to understand all of those things and you're gonna be able to walk down those paths that you thought weren't for you. And then he says, he will bring rivers in the desert. I just love that contrast there, rivers in the desert. Layman's terms, God says, I'm gonna bring life to people, places, and things that didn't have life before. Which brings me to my story regarding my own fresh start. So I gave my life to Christ when I was eight years old and writing this message, I began to look back on that day. And this particular year, um, what we had was, we did each person that was giving, getting baptized, we had a little interview with Miss Gina, which was all compiled into a video package. And I remember on that day watching the video package back, the one thing I can remember about my interview was the last question. Miss Gina asked me, Brennan, why do you want to get baptized? And truth be told, I don't remember the entirety of what I said, um, but I remember watching that video back and my answer ended with, he's just the one I want to live for. And I consider myself proud to have been able to stand here with you all today and witness my fellow brothers and sisters pursue the same path, giving their life to God. And I'm also thankful for being able to experience that fresh start each and every day by waking up and getting to experience the eternal goodness of God. Now the next section is great friends. Each and every part of Gateway's vision is so impactful in its own right and offers so many different contexts for God to move in magnificent ways. But if I had to pick a favorite, my favorite would be great friends. Because in my opinion, great friends is what makes Gateway, Gateway. I've been blessed to call this place home for 16 years. And during that time, the Lord has blessed me by allowing me to have met some of my closest friends here at Gateway, ranging back to elementary school and middle school. And throughout that time, the Lord has also taught me how to love others, which has allowed me to show that same love to others and introduce some of my closest friends who are really more like anything, more than family, to Gateway. And like I previously mentioned, Gateway's been my home. And one thing that you can always rely on to be in your home is family. And that's exactly what Gateway is and will forever be. Not just a group of people that gather on Sunday mornings or any other night of the week for small groups. Gateway is family. All of you guys have loved me as the Lord calls us to love, which has taught me how to show that love to others when I step outside these doors. Whether it was a good morning, uh, hey, how are you? a smile, a handshake, a hug, or even something as small as handing me a mint in the great room. The love and kindness that you've shown me has left a lasting impact on my life 
And I just want to take a moment this morning and say thank you for that. Because I've been invited to other churches by some friends and I'll go on Sunday mornings and, you know, sermon will end, it'll have been great. And then everyone always gets up and I'm like, where are we going? And they're like, oh, we all just typically leave to beat the traffic. I'm like, y'all don't stay and talk to anyone? And they're like, not really. I'm like, I don't know, it just didn't sit well with me because for me, I'm excited when the sermon's over. Not because it's over, but because I know that I get to walk through those doors and I get to interact with each and every one of you, my family. That brings me to my next verse. It's Proverbs 27, 17 out of the New Living Translation. And it reads, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. Gateway Franklin Church knows how to live out this verse. The way that each and every one of you pour into each other and give life to each other through small groups, discover you, basic interactions on a Sunday morning. Every encounter that we have with each other brings us closer to our Heavenly Father. And furthermore, I can't overstate how much wisdom this congregation has poured into my life. There have been times where on a Sunday morning, it'll just be a casual conversation. I'll be talking with one or many of you and you'll give me the perfect piece of advice or encouragement that I needed, even though you had no idea what I was going through at that particular time in my life. The manner in which this congregation encourages and supports one another and encourages and has encouraged and supported me throughout these years has truly shaped the person that I've become and has allowed me to share that love with other iron sharpening friends. <clears throat> I, I don't tell them this nearly enough, but the way that they all have loved me when it was easy and loved me more when it was hard is something that I am so grateful for. It's something that will truly stick with me and has allowed me to grow into the believer that I am. And I'm so thankful that I get to begin the next chapter of my life surrounded and supported by my Gateway family. So last section is real purpose. And I wanna begin with a verse. It's First Peter chapter four, verse 10 out of the New International Version. Sorry, I'm switching up versions on y'all, but it reads, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in various forms. Over the past years, Gateway has taught me two major things regarding my overall purpose as a follower of Christ. The first being how to step out in faith. Growing up, I was never super outgoing, never super outspoken. I was more of an introvert than an extrovert. I was that shy, quiet kid who kept to himself unless, I didn't speak unless I was spoken to, really. And oftentimes, I was reluctant to speak out about my faith. Not because I didn't want to, but because I didn't really know how to. The words didn't come to me as much as I thought they would. But over time, the Lord has used Gateway to plant seeds 
in my heart that have grown in me a boldness that I never imagined I would have. The second lesson was how to serve according to 1 Peter 4.10. This isn't me trying to brag or anything, and I know it kind of contradicts what I just told you about my growing up, but I've been told that I'm a rather skilled public speaker. And I feel like God has given me numerous opportunities to be able to serve others through the gifts that he's blessed me with. I've been privileged to lead devotionals with the kids and Gateway Kids, speak several sermons on a Wednesday night at GSM, and now I get the opportunity and the blessing to stand in front of you all this morning. As far as the occupational purpose that the Lord has laid out for me, I don't exactly have that all figured out yet. But God has used Gateway to help me realize my overall purpose to show and tell every single person that I encounter about the Lord by stepping out in my faith and serving others. And within those two lessons, God has also used Gateway to create and help me realize my identity in Him, to know who I am because of whose I am. So, my fellow graduates, if I could just leave you with one piece of advice as you step out into this next part of your life, it's something I'm sure you've heard millions of times over already. Cherish the moments because they go by so fast. Cherish each and every day that God gives you. Don't take the long school nights for granted. Don't take the Wednesday nights or the Sunday mornings for granted. Don't take the hanging out with friends for granted because as James 1.17 says, every good and perfect gift is from above. So if these friends, these moments, these places have been given to us by the Lord, why would we want to waste them? Now I know that this next step we have to take, it's a hard one. Each of these moments present their own difficulty. And even though graduation is meant to be a celebration of all that we've accomplished over these past years, there's often some sadness attached to it. Many people like to refer to it as bittersweet. I think there's a more appropriate phrasing for that because the term bitter, there, there's no duality to that word. It's only ever one thing. It refers to that bad taste left in your mouth or that pain from past experiences. So rather than thinking of it as bittersweet, I like to think of it as happy sad. Because even though many of these moments may bring some tears to your eyes, you're always going to be able to look back on these moments and smile. And I know this part is difficult leaving behind the last four years, the places, the memories, the friends. And I don't say leave behind as in you have to forget about it all. I'm just saying the Lord's calling us to step forward. And the seasons are changing. But just because the seasons change doesn't mean God does. He's never going to leave you nor 
forsake you. And he's also never going to bring you this far to leave you in the middle of a storm. So can I just encourage you that when you get to that point, you feel like the walls are closing in and you feel like you're reaching that point of no return. Can I encourage you? Make that prayer, Lord, lead me to the rock that is higher than I, because it is by your grace that I've been saved. And I know that you have seen it all, but more than that, you have overcome it all. Can I get an amen in the room? What God did, God still does. He's faithful in the past. He's gonna be faithful to you in the future. So I encourage you this morning, cherish the moments and have patience because God's gonna bless this next chapter. And don't worry about how this next chapter of your life may be written because our faith lies in the one who's holding the pen. If you wouldn't mind, I'd just like to take a moment and pray over you before Pastor Charlie brings a word. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for today and all that it celebrates. We thank you for the moments. We thank you for the blessings. We thank you for the friends. And Lord, that we, ask, we just ask that as we step out into this next chapter of our lives, Lord, would you remind us that you're walking alongside us each and every step of the way. That you're never gonna leave us. We're never alone in any situation. We thank you for the fellowship. And I just ask that each and every person in this congregation walks out of those doors and, and knows that they are known and loved by you but also surrounded and supported by their gateway family. We thank you for all that you are and all that you do for us. In your son's precious name, amen. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Good job. Thank you, thank you Brennan, for um, your study, your prayer, uh, and delivering us that message today. Um, especially the part where you said, everyone likes it when I'm done preaching. A, so so no, wor no worry, it's not gonna keep you long today, but I, I felt like that Brennan, Brennan's words kind of lead us to this idea of what is it to like to navigate change? To navigate change. Here are two quotes, one from Prince Philip, late Prince Philip of England said, change is a challenge and an opportunity, not a threat. C.S. Lewis, there are far better things ahead than any we leave behind. Good, good quotes actually have some strong biblical content to that. In the late 1980s, kind of a new trend started happening in leadership theory, and it was uh, this, this push towards how to navigate change. Change management or change leadership were the monikers for that. And I can't nail down how that surfaced, but I do know this truth, is that how one manages change determines their level of commitment and their level of success. How one manages change determines their level of contentment and the level of success, because we should know this, that change is constant. Change is constant. So our attitude towards it matters and our approach towards change matters that much more. So I'll tell you a little story here out of numbers. It begins 
Numbers 13, it said, the Lord said to Moses, send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I am given to the Israelites. From each ancestral tribe, send one of its leaders. So at the Lord's command, Moses sent them out from the desert of Paran, and all of them were leaders of the Israelites. So these words kind of precede a Lewis and Clark type of exploration of a promise that God had given Abraham like a thousand years before. So these men weren't exploring out of curiosity. They were exploring out of commission. And my, what they found. More things than they imagined, greater things than they imagined, but they also found a significant number of obstacles. So I wanna make a, some powerful here observations from these first three verses. The first is that life change begins with a personal word from the Lord. Life change begins with a personal word from the Lord. It, said, it starts, the Lord said to Moses. That's a personal word. It was personally directed to Moses. Life change begins with a personal word from the Lord. God's word then is directive driven and it's purpose filled. He said, send some men to explore the land. There's directive and which I am giving them. That's a promise, right? A promise is something spoken before something's actualized, all right? So they're not in yet. So, so God's word is personal and God's word is directive and promise-filled. And then God's word leads leaders. It says all of them were leaders of Israel. Um, I have found most people who think they're leaders um, uh, never seem to depend on anyone outside of themselves. They become very self-sufficient. Um, and I would say that God's word, God's word is what leads leaders. And I would also have this caveat, when we're following God's word, then what we're doing is we lead people to Christ. All right? So the chapter then lists 12 of these tribal leaders. Here, here are the first 10. I would be amazed that if any of you recognize these names. Shemua, Shaphat, Egal, Paltai, Gadiel, Gadai, Amiel, Sether, Nabai, and Geul. Now, not that any of those names would stick anyway, right? Um, but these are the only time these 10 are mentioned, and I'll, later on in the passage, in the message, I'll tell you why they're not remembered, but two names were attached to these 10, Joshua and Caleb. Um, history records these 12 men entering into the promised land with a directive, where to go, how to get there, how many days to stay. They were gonna be there 40 days and they encountered great things. And, and in fact, in one of the passages, it says they took a cluster of grapes back with them and they had to tie these to a pole that then swayed under the weight with two men, one carrying them on one, one shoulder and one carrying them on another shoulder. So the land was all of what God promised them that this land would be and yet, it says that they encountered giants, men larger than they had ever seen before, and that they were residing in fortified cities. And this was very scary to them. Um, it was very, very discouraging to them. And they brought back a very discouraging report. Joshua and Caleb, however, came back and they, they saw the same things that these 10 saw, but they ignored their eyes. Um, they didn't ignore their eyes, but they subjected what they saw to what they heard. They subjected what they saw to what they heard. What they heard was, go into the land that I'm giving you. 
They saw the same things the 10 men did, but they allowed their, their heart and their ears to override their mind and their eyes. They saw it through a different filter. Um, at the end of that passage in Numbers 13, or near the end of that, the 10 said this. They said, we seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. This tells you that they gotten way out over their skis on, on, on fear, and they kind of ginned all these emotions up. And I say that because I can see how they saw themselves as grasshoppers in those eyes. But when it says, and, and we seemed the same to them, is the passage that doesn't make sense to me. Like, did they have a conversation with one of these giants, right? Did they stop along the way and say, excuse me, I'm just curious. We're going to be here in a little bit, a little bit maybe. And how do you see us, right? This conversation doesn't happen. So when they're saying that they seemed like grasshoppers in the eyes of the others, this is how afraid they were. And their fear was so demonstrative. How many of you know fear leadership sells? Fear leadership sells. You can move people fast on fear, and this is what they were doing. And then the nation, the nation d does not follow Joshua and Caleb. They follow these 10, and then these people were then uh, subjected to not getting into the promised land. But here, Joshua, Numbers 14 says, Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had explored the land, tore their clothes. So so the 10 were coming at this with such, such demonstrations of, of fear and panic and probably a great deal of uh, demonstrability, if that's a word. Um, Joshua and Caleb kind of matched that. They tore their clothes. They were demonstrating how devastating it was going to be not to follow where the Lord was leading. So the land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he'll lead us onto that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and he will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord. Do not be afraid of the people of the land because we will devour them. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. So I'll say this, that change leaders don't ignore obstacles. They just see what other people can't see. They don't ignore the obstacles, but they will trust what they hear more than what they see. So here's how I think we have to navigate change. One, in order to navigate change, you have to get a word from the Lord. And then you have to believe your ears over your eyes. And don't miss this. Don't underestimate the stakes of not moving. Don't move until you get a word, but don't stop once you get a word. So it begs the question, how do you get a word from the Lord? Look, this is the word of God. From the, from the table of contents to the maps, right? This is the word of God. God's never gonna speak to me something that is contradictory to the word. But God can speak specific words to us, giving us specific direction, especially in times of transition and change and need. Don't underestimate God's ability to speak a word to you. So how do you get a word from the Lord? Two ways. You have to have a surrendered and you have to have a still heart. A surrendered and still heart. Have you ever, um, have you ever not given someone your opinion because you knew they weren't going to listen to you anyway? Have you ever not asked someone their opinion on something because you knew what they were going to say? Right? So a surrendered heart is one that is willing to hear and receive what's being said. If, if you're going 
to the Lord in prayer without a surrendered heart, what you're actually doing is you're asking for permission. You're not asking for direction. Surrendered heart asks for direction. Now, it takes a stilled heart to hear it because there's so much chaos going on in our worlds, your personal world, the world around you, that it gets our attention. I'd love to say that, like I've tried all year long to not pick my phone up the first thing in the morning. Does anyone succeed at that? that I can come and speak to. You do, I'd love to have a conversation afterwards. I, I can do it maybe a day a week. And, and so I've kind of did a workaround by opening my Bible app first. You know, it kind of feels like you get permission then. You know, you get, the, you get the word first and then you read the, I get the ESPN app to see what scores I missed because I went to bed so early. You know, or the news app or what's the stock market going to do when it opens, right? And then my email. And it's unfortunately for me, it, it's kind of one of the last things I do at night. And I plug it up. And it's one of the first, if not the first thing I pick up in the morning and I, I, I've, tr- I've tried to change that. I'm still committed to try to change that. I go through seasons of my life that I've changed it and seasons of my life I don't. But, but it's what, that's one of the things that works against a stilled heart. When things are quiet, when my spirit is quiet, I'm able to hear from the Lord. The enemy is out to steal your stilled heart. So, with a surrendered heart and a stilled heart means I might not get what I need from the Lord first pass. I said this and once I got challenged in a service saying this years and years and years ago and I can't back this up. I can't back this up biblically so I, can, I guess the challenge was worthwhile but I think sometimes, sometimes God doesn't answer me immediately because he just kind of likes the conversation. And so like if he doesn't answer right away maybe we'll talk again tomorrow. So I might not be in there biblically, but I'm sure it's, I could get a bunch of witnesses to that effect in the room. So we have to have a surrendered and a stilled heart to get a word from the Lord. What does it take then? What does it take then to follow that word? Well, it takes courage. It takes courage. A word from the Lord is supernatural, meaning it's beyond natural. So in order for me to follow a supernatural world, I can't follow a supernatural word from the Lord naturally. All right, because that I means he's gonna take me, if I need a word from the Lord, the Lord's gonna take me in a path and a pattern and a way that's gonna be different than I would have normally came up on my own. So in order to do that, I have to have the courage, I have to have the supernatural courage to follow a word of the Lord that I trust my ears and my heart more than I trust my eyes and my mind, and you say, Pastor, are you saying that Christianity is an anti-intellectual faith? No, not at all. I think it is a highly intellectual faith. Um, but faith, by definition, requires us to move on things we don't fully understand and see. And I think it's a tragedy to worship somebody that you completely understand. I, 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 the, the mystery that is God is what attracts me to, to God. There are things that I don't know, can't see, don't understand, that he does and that he shares with me. So um, Proverbs 3, 5, and 7 is a passage that I write in a lot of um, graduates' cards. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding and all your ways submit to him, surrender, and he will make your path straight. 
Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. Trust here is a heart-ear action. And lean and understanding is an eye-mind action. He tells us to do one and avoid the other. Eye, mind, heart, ears. And then he says the result of this is it'll make your path straight. Now, it's interesting. I think we would say, mm, my path seems still pretty crooked. So what's the truth of the passage? The truth of the passage plays out in two different ways. One, in my experience, there have been plenty of times where God did smooth some of that path out. There were things that I could not have controlled, could not have maneuvered through, and he maneuvered that. So that's true. But I'll say there is just as many cases where he allowed me to see the path differently than I had seen the path before. So in essence, making the path straight, the path still was the path, and yet he gave me a line. In, in racing, in all kinds of forms of racing, someone reminded me, said, told me about bicycle racing. I was thinking about Grand Prix. When you watch the, when you, watch the, uh, when you see the, the track of a Grand Prix, these are, these are races run in cities, right? But the, the driver picks a line, and the line doesn't get rid of all of the curves, but it, it takes the straightest path between one set of curves and the other. And this has been my experience that when I trust in what the Lord is giving me, speaking to me, showing me, directing me, if I take the courage to take that path, there are times where things and obstacles I could not have moved get moved. And plenty of other times there is a path that I did not see, a line that I did not see that gets illuminated this lamp until my feet passage that we read. And so this is what happens when we trust our heart, we trust it over eyes, because he ends, don't be wise in your own eyes. Well, that in and of itself is enough to chew on, isn't it? Not to be wise in our own eyes. In the Masters Golf Tournament this year, there was an amateur who made a big splash. His name was Sam Bennett. Sam Bennett's a great, was a fifth-year senior at Texas A&M and has played ex ex exceptionally well in the NCAA, and the Masters prides itself on um, its amateur play. And after 36 holes, Sam Bennett is on the top, of, he's in the leaderboard, which is kind of unheard of. Now, he falls to 16th before he finishes, still finishes ahead of like 40-some other pros on probably the most celebrated golf course in the world. But what was amazing to the media pundits wasn't so much how he, um, his score, but how he played. He was calm, he was collected. And Sam himself kind of connected the dots by showing the cameras his left forearm where he had a tattoo. Um, and it said, um, don't wait to do something. Don't wait to do something. So at 23, he's at the top of this professional game and he's an amateur because it says, don't wait to do something. It was some of the last words his father said to him before he died two years prior of pancreatic cancer. So he looks at his son. Now you can put yourself in this perspective, right? You're not gonna see your son grow up. And your last words to him is, son, you don't have to be old to do something. Don't wait to do something. And it, and it, was, it, was, it was as if Sam had gotten the permission of his dad to do something. When I was eight, I wanted to be a professional baseball player. Um, a lot of eight-year-olds want to be something like that, right? And um, I thank God that my dad didn't sit me down and do the math with me, right? 
So let me give you the perspective of how many people actually, like, that's, what my dad did is he, he did one thing, did, said one thing and did one thing. The one thing he said was, well, why not? Someone has to play. The second was he went and bought me a wooden bat. Now, this was the beginning of the era of aluminum bats. And so the ting was heard all over the ballpark, right? And I'm like, Dad, I don't want a wooden bat. They're, that's old. I, I, want a, I want a loom bat like my buddies. And my dad said, he said, oh, but son, they don't, they don't use aluminum bats in professional baseball. They use wooden bats. Man, I, I showed up with my wooden bat looking at all those other suckers. You ain't, gonna, you ain't going anywhere, you know, but, but I'm going to. And, you know, time has a way of changing, right, those, those dreams. And what I would say is what I'm doing with y'all right now is such a better dream. See, surrendered hearts, surrendered hearts allows us to align ourselves under God's dream. Listen, he gives you permission to dream. Your father, if some of you, someone just needs to hear this today, your heavenly father gives you permission to dream. 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 He loves the conversations. He loves the dream, especially with a surrendered heart because then he can maneuver us into his dream. And when we chase his dream, yeah, he's got a vested interest, right? In making these paths straight. Listen, change is inevitable. If you're living your life afraid of change, you're gonna live your life completely in fear, like all the time. And even when you're not in the middle of a change, what are you doing? You're afraid of the next change, right? The, the, there, there should be a joy in living in the promise of God before the promise is received. Because if you miss that time, you've missed out on a whole lot of joy. So dream, change is going to be there. Get a word from the Lord. Have the courage to follow that word, trusting what you've heard and not just what you see. So the way I wanna wrap up our, our, this graduation Sunday is I, I wanna pray over you if you find yourself in a transition and you need a word from the Lord. I believe God can drop a word in your heart in this moment. But what I also believe is as we set our mind now, instead of just trying to figure it out on our own, but by getting a word from the Lord, and you do that every day, like God, it's me again, waiting, waiting for that word, waiting for that clear direction. I need to hear it from you. If I hear it from you, I'll follow it. The only time I get afraid and have gotten afraid in the years of leading Gateway Church is when I had not had a word from the Lord. In those gaps, in those times where what I've learned is if I don't get anything new, I'm supposed to stick with what was old. That's one of the things I've learned through the years. Well, I knew that there's a transition, there's a change, and I knew God wanted something for us. It was the time that I had to sit alone and keep going back day after day. Lord, where do you want us to go? Where do you want us to go? What, what do you want us to do? Lord, I want to follow you. And it's the same. It doesn't change. Same for you leading your family, leading your business, any of that. Lord, where, where are we going to go? What do you want us to do? 
And so if you find yourself in a moment that you need a word from the Lord, I want to begin that prayer over you today. So I just want you to stand up where you are. We're not coming forward today. Just stand up where you are if you're in a transition so I can pray for you. You need a word from the Lord. Well, movement matters, right? Don't, don't, hang, don't hang tight when you know you need to move. All right. Anybody else? So Father, these are your children standing, representing at a surrendered heart. Lord, I don't know what's going on in the world, but I ask in this moment to still their heart and mind. what runs around in our heads and we're committed Lord to follow what you put in front of us Lord I don't understand why you need us to surrender before you give us a direction other than the fact that I don't know if we would go in that direction without being surrendered to you and so Lord in in their transition in their change Lord I ask as the shepherd here. Lord, that you would make yourself unavoidable and unmistakable. And Lord, that you'd circle back and you would confirm and confirm and confirm and confirm through your word, through trusted believers. Lord, their next steps, the the moves that they're supposed to make. Believing, Lord, that you make provision and you make a way because what you did you still do. Amen. Amen. We hope you were encouraged and challenged by today's message. Again, to learn more about Gateway Franklin Church, find us online at gatewayfranklin.com. Thanks for joining us today.